So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season four, episode nine of The Other Way. In this episode, Jen and Rishi use a lot of oil for their massages. Osama dictates a poem to Debbie. Nicole makes a friend in Egypt, and Mahmoud already doesn't like her. Isabel's father has some more questions for Gabriel, and Chris heads back to the States with a promise to return. If you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we're covering the new season of Life After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are things with you? Things are pretty good. Um, weather's nice. We just had a week off. I didn't have to go back to work yet. Um, yeah, doing do, got activities going on. It's really, really getting to be that fun time of year. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. I could tell because I heard the children screaming. Oh yeah, we had we had to adjust volumes and settings and things because there's very loud children yelling very screamily outside. Right. Just right. you would think like, is there some sort of horrible accident going on by him by Mr. O, but no, they're just having fun. <laughs> well, I don't want to say this is a horrible accident, but maybe more along the excited to be with friends. Let's get our really long segment uh, out of the way. And that was Nicole and Mahmoud. So Nicole has been living in Egypt for four months now, and they've agreed to stop talking about problems for now until they can find a healthy way to address their issues. Nicole is still adjusting to life in Egypt. She says she's surviving by running the AC 24 hours a day because it's hot. But she says she's struggling with having no friends and staying inside the house for 12 hours at a time. Nicole and Mahmoud have been casually looking for apartments, but Mahmoud doesn't seem to like anything. Nicole says that she is going to start venturing out without him, so she attends an all-women's outdoor meditation class with an English speaker. She doesn't think that Mahmoud would approve if there were men there. After the class, the instructor, Nuran, befriends Nicole. Nicole immediately opens up about her struggles of living in a very conservative area of Egypt. Nuran suggests that she check out New Cairo because it's more like Dubai. Nuran says that they can wear what they want, drink, and dance openly while still being Muslim. Nuran says that it's typical of Egyptian men to like a woman, then to try change her to conform to how they were raised. Nicole feels relieved that other people go through the same things, and she is shocked and validated that Nuran is basically describing her life to a T. Nuran says Egyptian men are very good about showering their women with love, but they also don't treat their women like equals. Nuran feels really bad for Nicole and hopes that she doesn't just give in. She offers her friendship and says that if she ever wants to talk, she's there. Nicole is the happiest she's felt since being in Egypt, but she's worried that Mahmoud will think uh, will think of her new relationship. Uh, later, Nicole and Mahmoud go to eat at a cart by the side of the road, and Nicole tells him about her day and how she met a friend. Nicole uh, hopes sees hope in living in Egypt now. Mahmoud is already rolling his eyes when Nicole is telling him about her. Mahmoud says that he's not going to tell her not to be friends with Nuran since she looks so happy, but he finds it strange that Nicole opened up about their relationship on day one. Mahmoud says that this is going to bring bad things to their relationships and jokes, but not really jokes, about them never hanging out again. 
He wants her to love Egypt, so he does ultimately support Nicole making friends, but wants her to find other friends. Nicole assures him that no friends will change how she feels about him. Nicole wants him to meet Nuram because she wants him to see that she's not the only one who thinks the way that she does. Mahmoud agrees because it makes Nicole happy. Later, they go to meet up with Nuram. Nicole is hoping that Nuram will get through to Mahmoud because she is Egyptian. Nicole tells us that Mahmoud has said in the past that he needs to vet her friends. Mahmoud is already unhappy that Nuran shows up in a short dress. He says he only cares about his own wife's behavior and he'll be nice for her. Nuran opens up uh, by saying that it's weird that she needs to be vetted by a husband. Mahmoud says that Nicole may be an adult to choose her own friends, but she's never made a friend in Egypt, so he wants to help her. Nuran wonders if he trusts her and he says it's not about trust. He starts to get worked up and heated immediately trying to defend himself. Nuran says that Mahmoud is typical Egyptian, where they feel uncomfortable outside of what they don't know. She asks if Nicole can start going to her co-ed yoga class, and Mahmoud basically says no. He doesn't want her stretching around men. He admits that he would look if some random woman was stretching around him. He claims it is forbidden. Nicole is surprised how quickly they seem to both get into it. Nuran claims that she is religious and there's nothing in the Quran that says anything about being completely covered and that men should be educated enough to not have thoughts and assume that everyone thinks seeing something like bare legs will give people unholy thoughts. Mahmoud then asks why God created women with boobs. And then Nuran says, well, to feed the children and they're not Mm -hmm. made for men's pleasure. Mahmoud thinks Nuran is the worst woman he's ever met because he thinks she leaves the part of the religion she doesn't agree with, and he hates that. Mahmoud says that Nicole, uh, what Nicole does is on him, so she needs to follow the rules. He says that he's not a perfect person, and maybe he's wrong, but he believes in what he says. He turns up the fake by saying that her friend is very nice. Nicole is impressed that he didn't storm off like he normally does, but she's worried that things still won't change. Nuran thinks that Mahmoud is a follower and he has never questioned his religion. Nuran says she couldn't handle uh, losing her freedom and she would leave this guy immediately. All right. So uh, what did you think about Mahmoud's? Because Nicole seemed to think that... You know, he did pretty good. And this was, you know, him on his best behavior. Whereas Neron looks at this and is like, who is this dude? I mean, I think this was him on his best behavior. Mm-hmm. But his best behavior is not very impressive. Right. Um, like <laughs> no, it, was a, it was a very low bar. He didn't randomly start screaming at people and storm off. Like, right. I'm proud of him. It's like, okay, he still sounded like a complete jackass to this other woman. Yeah. This other, I don't know, Egyptian woman. Right. Right. Who wasn't gonna? Who wasn't gonna be like? Because that was, you know, the biggest thing is like he's just been all the time. But like her only, Nicole's only, you know, feedback about what's like in Egypt is Mahmoud yeah. being like in Egypt we do this, and there's and now she finally sees this other person who lives in Egypt and is Egyptian being like, some people do that, right? Other people do not, right? And so it's definitely feedback because I just get the impression the more we watch this that. Mahmoud is the most conservative person in one of the most conservative families right. in the most conservative part of Egypt. You right. know, he's just like, 
on top stack on top of stack on top of stack. Right. Yeah, even him being shocked by his brother drinking alcohol at some point in his life. Right, exactly, exactly. He's just like, it's haram, no do it. And I think she had a point, right? It's just if he at any point in his life was told it was forbidden, he didn't question that. He didn't think about that. He didn't do the reason behind that. He was like, that's it. That's the story. End of story. Like it didn't matter who told it to him, right? And I just – I feel like he's a very – just – from what we gathered in this conversation, mm-hmm. he is obviously a very, you know, adamant follower of, follower of this specific interpretation of Islam. Yes. That I don't think he's thought very deeply about it all. Yeah. Like, like I don't think he's had he, – he, he seemed to struggle with what's the theological backing? What's the backing in the Quran for what you're saying? And he was like, it's in there. Ah, it just is. It's in there. I have verses. I can back it up. I mean, uh, that's verses, what, what are the verses? Please show mm-hmm. me the verses, right? Because she does quote verses <laughs> yeah. when she comes back to him, right? Right. And so I feel like it's it it it, it it's frustrating to deal with that. And, you, and and she's met men like this before. Yes. Right? This she is has. not a new this is not a new dynamic for her. Yeah. And I appreciate that she kind of went up to bat. I don't know. I agree with Nicole. I don't know how successful it really was other than demonstrating to Nicole that he could kind of be calm, even though it was clear that he was flustered and probably kind of angered. Um, But it was also to me like so fake when he was like, your friend is so nice. It's like, no, that's not how you feel at all. No, he's going to he's going to try to forbid her from seeing this friend again. Yeah, um, he's never going to let her do that yoga class. And I imagine on the ride home, it's going to be more or less. If you ever talk to me like that, we're done. I'm divorcing you immediately. Like th- that's that was completely acceptable. Like she's incredibly disrespectful. My wife could not possibly, and she wasn't my wife, which is why I didn't storm and walk off. Right. If my wife did those things. You know, it, it wouldn't be the same. Which is yeah. what he told us. It's all about his wife. He, basically, he was like, I don't care if she goes to hell. Who? Ah, whatever. Right. She can, she can, that's not my wife. I don't care. That's not a person that reflects directly on me. So she can wear a dress, whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I think she's wrong and terrible, a horrible person for doing it, but she can do it if she wants. And yeah. so, like, I don't know. He was, at the same time, came, a, well, one of the most annoying, annoying combinations you can find is someone who seems ignorant and condescending at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which so I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with Mahmoud in this episode. Right. Um. I think it would be interesting for them to both go to New Cairo. I don't even know where that is. It doesn't sound like an actual city. It might just be like. No, no. I think it's the new part of Cairo rather than the oh, ancient okay. part of Cairo that's been there since the pharaohs or whatever. Right. Like, oh, on the other side of the river, they just built. Like, we ran out of, we ran out of space, so we built more city over here. Oh, okay. Like the south, like the south bank of London or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think it would be an interesting conversation for them to check that place out and maybe even look at places to live over there. Um, Because I think that there does need to be some compromise. And the way that Mahmoud has been kind of presenting this whole thing is my religion doesn't have compromises. Well, Mm -hmm. clearly, if this other area is still following religious Muslim, you know, Islam, then... There are compromises. This isn't the only interpretation of it. Right. And I think that's 
that's going to be where they run into trouble is, yeah. is, is him being like, no, there aren't other interpretations. Those people, like he, he kind of implies, he feels like those people are cafeteria Muslims. They're just taking mm -hmm. the stuff they like, mm -hmm. right? Although, can we talk about the street cart on the bridge? <laughs> Which yeah. just seems like a fine idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a bridge over the mountain. Yeah. They're like a freaking highway. It was like a four-lane right. highway. They're right. just sitting on the curb with these streetcars. It was like, this seems kind of dangerous. Those cars are going really fast. Yeah, it seemed kind of dangerous and not exactly the atmosphere you'd want. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be like a walking market. Like, you know, the bridges were, I'm trying to think of where I'm, where I'm thinking of. Like, you a pedestrian bridge that has, you know, basically stores built onto the side of it. That's what I was imagining them going to. Right. It's like, got up streetcar next to a loud highway and it's like oh okay like, yeah. this is okay yeah it doesn't definitely doesn't give off like the most uh you like, know like romantic or intimate right. or right it just Vibes sounds like you'd be anything. yelling over traffic the entire time <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much all right so um let's get to yeah my uh, let's do my longest one first we'll start with that that was gabriel and isabel so Gabriel's working out on the park on these public like stationary bikes, mm -hmm. which I thought I've never seen anything like those. They seem kind of neat. Um, they're like playground equipment, but exercise bikes. And her dad comes to meet him. So Isabel told Gabe that her dad had some questions. And OK, correct me if I'm wrong. We don't know the dad's name yet, right? Right. They keep on like going <laughs> through. There's this is like what the third or fourth episode he's been in and they never say what his name is. Okay, so I, I didn't think I missed it again, but like, so she's, he's Isabel's dad. Um, so Gabe is nervous about like more questions is sometimes, you know, when things might turn sour. So it doesn't take dad too long to get to the point that he has some more questions. Uh, like, when did you decide to transition? So Gabriel tells him that he's never felt like a woman growing up. Even when he was five, he didn't want to wear dresses and he just wanted to go play sports with the boys. So he kind of, like turns it around to dad. Ask dad, like, how you? How would you feel if you just like, woke up tomorrow and had boobs? Like, you'd feel weird, right? You'd want them gone. This, this is not who you are. And he's like, that's how I felt too. So life as a woman just wasn't for him. So he asked Gabe how he really feels seeing himself presenting as a man rather than a woman. And Gabe says that he, you know, doesn't, he actually doesn't even want to look back at the photos of him from before transition because he hates it so much. He's willing to share a photo album with, with dad, but just because he feels like this is a step and it's like something he's not going to be able to avoid, it has to get out of the way. But he, it's so bad, he just gives dad the photos. Like you can switch, you can swipe it like this. That he doesn't even want to see any of the pictures. So uh, dad looks at the pictures and then they, sh I don't know, I think they make the, I'm not sure how I feel about it. We'll talk about it. They show us some of the pictures too. Um, and dad says he was surprised to hear about Gabe describing his past with such pain and didn't um, understand how difficult things for him were for him. He tries. Uh, Gabe tries to explain what it felt like before his tra before transition to us by imagining yourself with a useless, invisible arm that everybody tells you, ah, you look fine, it's normal, there's nothing there. He's like, but I want this stupid arm off of me. So Dad tells him that there are painful things in all of our lives, and we should leave those things in the past just as a memory. So Dad says that his faith in God has helped him to understand how hard this has been for Gabriel, and that we should at this point just move forward for with our best life. So he says that God calls on him to love all people as they are, and we should respect those in the LGBT community. So very different religious perspective, I think, than Gabriel usually gets. Mm -hmm. So 
He says that they are good and they hug it out. But Gabe still has one more worry that maybe he'll accept Gabriel as a person, but not as a husband for his daughter. Um, so we don't have to wait too long to find out, though, because pretty much immediately they have another conversation where he sits down to ask dad for his blessing. So dad says that he is speechless, long pause, but it's in a good way and gives his blessing. So this is the opportunity he has been looking for. You know, he, he dad says he's always wanted Isabel to be able to sit down, settle down with someone who loves her and have a family. And this might be that opportunity. So next up, we see Gabe and Isabel at a pottery class and he's hoping she doesn't suspect what's up. So she says that El Carmen is known for its pottery, but didn't think Gabe was all that into it <laughs> enough, especially enough to do like an after hours pottery factory tour that they're on. So they do their things and take turns making pots before going to look at the plates that um, he was, him and the kids painted last time. So the kids' plates come out first and they bring out his, He like, which has a proposal on it. It says, will you marry me on the plate? So he quickly drops to a knee and reads his pre-prepared Spanish proposal, which is, you know, touching. He, had it, he translated it and read it in Spanish. So she comes down on, one, on her knees to join him and says, of course, yes. So she's touched by all of the pre-planning that had to go on for this to happen, how he had talked to dad about it already, he talked to her kids about it already. So she's like, this is definitely a sign that he gets it, he's in it for the long haul, and he understands what's going on. All right, so I'm going to start with that with the question that I kind of had. It's like, how did you feel about them showing pre-transition pictures? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, Gabe had to consent to that, right? Yeah, that's kind of where I landed at the end. At the end of the day, that's ultimately Gabe's decision. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times uh, trans people kind of consider their former self as being dead. Well, yeah, I mean, they use the term dead name and like and they haven't done that with Gabe yet. And I'm glad they haven't. I hope they don't. Right. I don't. Because I, I, my understanding, too, is it's, it's really uh, one of the difficulties for trans people is to be like, hey, this is who I am. This is who I, this is who I am now. This is my name. And people being weirdly obsessed with, yeah, but what you used to look like? And you're like, I hated that person. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. want to be that person. Um, so why, why is that like the first thing you want to know is what I the, – the thing that I left behind. And that, that, I, that is understandably difficult. Uh, for me. And it's like, it, it, and so that's why I was kind of like, uh, we want to kind of, you know, feed into people's curiosity. It's like, yeah, but what did you look like when you were a woman? Like, that's not cool. You know? Yeah. I mean, we already saw a couple of pictures at the beginning. I, I guess so. I guess I, I, maybe I didn't, you know. But we didn't, but not really of Gabriel's former self as an adult. It was mostly like kid pictures, which are kind okay. of like androgynous to begin with. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, that was a little, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear from trans people, mm-hmm. um, what they have, what they thought about it. Um, so, um, but I mean, I thought other than that, like the dad, the, the stuff with the dad had to go better than he could have than his wildest dreams. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I'm so happy that we didn't see some other side. Right. So last week was definitely a, is this too good to be true? Like, we're not really sure. Like dad seems to super love game and doesn't seem to be bothered at all by this news. Right. Like Mm -hmm. curious, uh, maybe not super excited, but you know, curious, it, but not a negative reaction at all. And then this week, you're just like, I love this dad. Like, the, you couldn't ask 
for a better reaction to everything. You really yeah. couldn't. Yeah. I mean, he takes the perspective that I just want bored dads to take it. The, the mm-hmm. kind of the perspective I'd take might take is like, even if he had an issue with it, which he right. you know, really doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what I want for my daughter is for her to find someone that is into her and cares about her yeah. and wants to take care of her and wants to make sure she has her best life and that she's also wild about and she wants to build something with and they have that. And why would I throw that away for – why would I want that to change because of one aspect of that person that really doesn't affect their relationship at all? Right. It, it's it, it, So he seems to be like – he seems to want the right things for his daughter too, mm-hmm. you know? And so it def- definitely one of the more stand up people we've seen on the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's great. Um, I also thought it was really sweet that, and I agreed with Isabel, like the fact that he asked the kids, he asked her dad. I mean, he really could have just gone in there and asked her, you know, and then she, mm-hmm. then what would she have said? Because I think there is something that would have held her back. You know, it is difficult to say yes when, other people are dependent on you, right? And it affects oh, their yeah, yeah. lives. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know if I say yes to you, but I need to check in with the kids and let me see what my dad thinks. You know, right. so the fact that right. he did think, he knew that her family was so important to her that he set all that up before, I think really shows how thoughtful he is mm-hmm. and how much he knows her. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a person who's, taking the other person's wants and needs and like putting them in the forefront. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move on to uh, another couple down South. uh, And that is Chris and Jamie. So Chris can't really work right now, but she feels pressure to provide because she promised Jamie she would. So they're looking to start a business. Chris is looking to invest in a food truck because both Jamie and Chris both love to cook. They go to look at some food trucks that are for sale, and the first truck they look at is pretty standard, and it costs about $10,000. Chris thinks that that's a good deal, but she said that she wants to check out others before making a decision, which isn't that difficult because they seem to be on some, like, dealer lot of food trucks. (laughs) So they literally just go 10 feet, and they see the next food truck which is a zombie-themed school bus with seating inside. There's a giant zombie over the door, and there's just weapons everywhere. So Jamie jokes that Chris likes this one the best because it reminds her of Alabama, because Jamie just assumes that Alabama must be, like, just weapons everywhere, the way Chris talks about things. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so the zombie bus is 20000 so Chris tells the salesperson that they're going to need to talk about this. Jamie also thinks it's the best option, mostly because it's complete and not necessarily because of the zombie theme. Chris is a little worried because it's twice the cost of the first truck, so she needs to know what the startup and operating costs of food are going to be, so they really need to figure out a menu first. Chris says that this is a reality check because... She just always kind of thought about living in Colombia and, you know, starting a business. She just thought that was all a dream. And now it's becoming more of a reality. So if this dream fails, she's going to be in a bad situation. Later, we see Chris packing up to go back to Alabama. It ends up that she has to go back to get her narcolepsy medicine because they don't have it there. And she also has to settle things with her bank because she's, you know, having issues and doesn't have access to money. 
Jamie understands the situation, but she is sad because Chris has only been there for a month. Chris gives her a necklace that is very important to her to assure Jamie that she will be back, if anything, for her necklace. Jamie feels a lot safer and secure that Chris will be back this time since they are married. Chris doesn't have a specific time in mind for coming back, but she says to Jamie at most she'll be gone for two weeks. She doesn't have a return ticket, which makes Jamie very nervous. And Jamie tells her if she doesn't come back, she's selling all her shit. Jamie is crying the whole ride to the airport, and she says it'll be difficult to be away from her. She's also worried that even though they are married, that Chris may not come back. All right, so... What do you think that Chris could have done to assure Jamie that she's coming back? Do you think the necklace was the best thing or do you think there's something? Do you have another idea that maybe could have assured her? I mean, she could have actually meant that she was going to come back. But (laughs) I know part of it is like we got we got spoiled by the the end. Right. right? Yeah. And we know she doesn't come right back. And so. We've always been, and we know we kind of knew that going ahead, right? Yeah. And so I've always just kind of been looking at at at, at Chris as just being like, she just wants out. She just wants out. She just wants out. Right. She just wants out. And so it's hard to reassure someone of something that's not true at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I think a return ticket might have gone a long way. Right, and that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Like, how difficult is it, like, to pay a little extra for like a refundable ticket? Right, exactly. You know, and like, granted, it's not just a little, it's like, you know, probably a few hundred dollars to get a refundable ticket. But, you know, I think that's worth it at the end of the day to assure your new wife that you're going to come back. It it also is, (sighs) the the reasons she gave for going back were pretty weak. Um, Well, things that I thought could get taken care of, like you visit your bank. That takes what? One business bank day. Right. And then you need to get your narcolepsy medicine. Like, okay, worst case scenario, you have to get refill the prescription like what? Three days, I would say. Like you you probably have a standing standing prescription. I would think so, considering this isn't going to go away anytime soon. And I guess I don't know because I the only medication I take is blood pressure medication, and that's like pretty. Every pharmacy just has that on hand. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know if the narcolepsy medication, but if you did, you could say, "Hey, pharmacy, you could probably call it into the pharmacy from Columbia. You just can't pick it up there, right? So you can call it in ahead of time." Knowing you're going to come pick it up. Like, honestly, the things that she said she needed to come back for, assuming she actually had to come back and there's some sort of mm-hmm. prohibition of, of sending the medication over international borders or something. Oh, they can't yeah, do sure. that. Um, yeah, it takes a day or two. And she's like, well, it'll be at most two weeks. I don't know how long it'll take. It's like, mm, that that is not right. reassuring. And, and what also isn't reassuring is she can't just hoard these pills and then bring them back with her, right? right. So does that mean she's going to have to go back every month, 90 days? three months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like at that point, it's like if you're living in another country and this medication isn't available to this uh, in this other country, you need to seek out alternatives because mm-hmm. this is not a long term solution. Keep flying back to get the medication you need. Right. Right. And who, the expense of that, too. I mean, I know medication is not cheap um, if you don't have the right insurance for it and everything. But right. still, man, like. Oh, I need an international flight back from Columbia every every 90 days so I can get my medication, assuming yeah. they give her a 90-day supply, which is pretty common. Right, um, right. It just it, – it it all just seemed like 
excuses. And that, yes. that's, that's part of the issue too, is it didn't seem real. Because the other thing that would have reassured me is been like, listen, I have all this stuff lined up. I'm going to the bank this day. Da, 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 da. This is what I'm doing when I'm there. This is my itinerary. And she, it, but she didn't get that. She got like, I don't know how long it's going to take. You know, you just, things are, you know, stuff. Who knows? I'll buy my ticket then. Because even then, she's like, she said she's going to come back in two weeks. I was like, are you really going to pay to buy a plane ticket within two weeks? Yeah. Might as well have got the refundable ticket. I think the other yeah. thing, too, is if she had given herself a deadline, right? Mm-hmm. I think she might have been more motivated to, like, try get things done, to put pressure on other people to expedite her situations instead of like, well, I don't know how long it's going to take. Well, you tell them how long it should take because you need to leave. Right. You can tell them I leave on this date. It needs to be done by then. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, it just it seems like she's going for other reasons. It's she's yeah. going back for other reasons. I don't know that she likes Columbia. And I think that's that's a big part of the issue because she's only but that's the thing. She's only been there for, what, two weeks? Uh, Well, they kind of make it a sound month? like she's been there for a month. A month at this okay. point, at the point so of they've her been married. They've been married for a little while. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. They've been married for two weeks and then she's been in Columbia for a month. Yeah. And so I would I would I'm right on Jamie, especially from somebody who has ghosted you before that. It was mm-hmm. like that. This is her. She's she's done. She wants out. She just doesn't want to fight about it. So she's going to sneak off and then disappear again. Yeah. I don't know if that how important is that necklace? Like that's nothing, right? Right. I mean, is it replaceable? To like, I don't know. Why would, yeah, why would you think it's irreplaceable? It's just it, it, it. And the thing is, is like that necklace. I don't know. Was it cheaper than the return ticket? Because, I know, right? And I, I, we keep coming back to that because that's literally the thing that Jamie mentioned. Like yeah. she was like, you only bought a one way ticket. And she was like, well, yeah, but. And it's like, mm-hmm. here's a yeah. necklace. Like who? I don't even know. I don't even I don't know her that well. That might not even be a necklace she cares about that much yeah i know she's like you know how important this is to me do i do i yeah just because you you wear something every day doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important thing to you yeah that's true yeah all right so uh, let's go with oh man we have infuriating one or hilarious let's go with infuriating (laughs) all right so uh danielle and johan so we're still we're still on this argument about whether or not danielle can hang out with her ex or, you know, get back together with her. I don't know what it is. So Johan says that it's not about her having guy friends. It's about her, you know, trying to be friends with someone that she was banging. And we also still don't know how long ago, how long of ago they were exes. Yeah. Um, which is still part of it. So she thinks he's being very childish to not even meet this guy and entertain, not even entertain meeting this guy so he can be reassured with the meeting. So he he sees it as unfair because it doesn't matter what he feels. She's going to do whatever she wants regardless. Johan calls this disrespect and suspects that it might be cultural. You know, maybe in America, people hang out with their exes all the time. So it's clear that they aren't coming. To, oh, it's clear to Danielle that they aren't coming to a conclusion right now. So they are going to leave and then get into a stupid petty fight over who's going to drive. Because oh Danielle says Johan's had a few beers and he's in no condition to drive. So she literally sits on his lap in the car until she until he gives her the keys. So uh, she thinks that if this ex is going to make him this ex, just this person is going to make him this mad. Just basically wait until she gets a load of all my other friends that um, I already know he's going to hate. 
So then on the ride home, when she's driving, she keeps at it. Um, Johan, and that's because at some point in the conversation, Johan said, well, if you're going to meet with this guy, there's going to be consequences. And so she's pulling the power card and be like, what, what consequences? What are you going to do? Huh? What are you going to do, buddy? And he's like, well, you're not going to like it. I'm not going to tell you what they are now. You'll find out that's if you do so that. dumb. But, <laughs> like, okay. So I guess my first question is, is, does he have any consequences in mind or is he just, is this just an empty threat? Um, no, I think he's going to just be difficult and make her life a living hell by just being like negative. Uh, like, just being an ass nope, all the time. Everything. <laughs> yeah. And he'll just like decide when. You know, when the time comes, like, you know, how long it will last and things like that. So I don't think there's anything. It's just like, but why? Why? Why do that? It's you're making both of your lives miserable. I think you're not really incentivizing them to not because, well, at least her, I feel like she's willing to take the risk. But if she knew exactly what the consequences were and they were something that actually was like somewhat meaningful and thoughtful, that maybe she would be deterred. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think he had anything in mind. When he I said don't think there so will be either. consequences. He didn't have anything in mind. He was just trying to sound tough. And they're both jerks about it, um, about everything. Like I was confused, too, because. It, at least the way it was fr- the, we, the way it was edited and cut, it looked like she had just as much to drink as he did. But then she's like, "You're in no condition to drive home. I'm gonna s- I'm gonna sit on your lap so you can't drive a car, man." Like, like, like that's just so. And then she does that and is like, "I just hate how childish he is." It's like you are literally sitting on his lap to prevent him from doing something, and you're talking about how childish he is. Yeah. It's just so she's so infuriating. Yeah, you're right. They are super annoying. But I mean, I think just in general, right, you need to have clear expectations. So if those expectations are like, you know, if you do this, then this will happen. I think people can respond better to something like that. Yeah, Rather I, than I, surprise, this bad thing's going to happen. You don't know what it I is. Think, and I think part of it is like she just wants to do something that he thinks is just absurd on its face, mm-hmm. right? Like getting together with with this with this person, he's just like that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? And so he almost has trouble coming up with what's a reasonable because you know when I'm teaching and when I'm when I'm a, when I'm a dad and everything, I'm very big on like natural consequences, right? Yeah, I'm very big on oh, what's going to happen if I don't turn this in? It's like well, you'll get a zero on it and then you won't be able to turn it in later and you'll fail the test. That's right. what will happen. I'm not going to go and make extra punishments for you. The natural right. thing that happens is the natural thing that happens. What happens if I'm not careful with my AirPods? Well, then they get broken and you don't have AirPods anymore. Right. That's a pretty simple solution. That's a pretty, yeah. I don't need to come up with extra punishments on top of that. Right. Right. And, but he's just like at a loss for what the national natural consequence should be of this. And it's like, because to him, it's almost as if she was like, hey, I'm going to go sleep with this other guy. And he's like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, to him, it's it, it's almost it's that cut and dried. And be like, but what are you going to do if I do? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm still not okay with it. You know, <laughs> you just, oh because I can't come up with a, a, a punishment that fits your threshold. That means I'm, I, I can't be against it. This is a weird dynamic here. Well, I don't know if it's like this extreme, but if he cares enough and he said, I would leave you. Right. We would have a trial separation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, then we, we we would be done. We would we would need to figure out a new situation because yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be willing to be in a relationship with you anymore. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Let's change the subject because. Uh, yeah. yeah. uh, let's move on to Jen yeah. and Rishi. So Rishi is meeting with his friend and astrologer Nitesh at a bar where they are entertained by a dancer who Rishi is sure to mention is not a stripper, but she's a cultural dancer who dances a little suggestively, but relatively PG thirteen. Rishi updates Nitesh that Jen's visa has been reinstated and she arrives tomorrow. Rishi is afraid to tell his family about Jen. Rishi wants some advice from Nitesh because he is an astrologer. They had actually consulted with him about when to tell his parents before, and Nitesh had said at the time it was not at that moment. Nitesh tells Rishi that their relationship is going to be an ongoing battle and near impossible. But if he insists on moving forward, the best time to tell his family is August 2nd at 4 p.m., which is incredibly specific. I was kind of surprised <laughs> astrologers commit to that kind of like specifics. Uh-huh. But in the timeline of this show, this is two months away and Rishi is worried that Jen will be upset about the wait. Jen has arrived and is going to meet Rishi at the apartment that he got. Production zooms in on her hand, which, like I noticed last week, does not have a ring on it. Jen says that she is disgusted by Rishi sending the picture, so now she has an ultimatum for him. If he doesn't tell his parents, then she's done. They have a pretty sweet reunion as Rishi has bought Jen flowers and they kiss and hug. She admits that she had some negative feelings before seeing him, but his excitement and smile melted her heart. Rishi shows her around the apartment, which this time has towels and blankets. Jen is happy that he set up the apartment the way that she liked. Rishi Rishi suggests that they go to oil drop therapy since she had a long flight and it's hot outside. Jen says that The easy times are really great with her and Rishi, but she needs to focus and confront him about the shirtless photo he sent her friend. They go to the oil therapy, and Jen is tempted by seeing a shirtless Rishi. They haven't had sex in years, and even though Rishi isn't ripped, as she says, she still finds him attractive. Jen usually loves oil massages, but she still can't stop thinking about the messages uh, that Rishi had sent her friend. After the massage, Jen tries to bring up the situation by asking a lot of leading questions. And Rishi says that he just has social media friends and he'll reply, but that's about it. Jen then accuses him of trying to meet up with her friend and Jen offers to show him receipts. And he's like, okay. Jen says that he sends her the same type of pictures and now that doesn't mean anything. Jen points out messages where Rishi asked her friend Randy to call him when she's there and then sent a follow-up message that asked why she didn't call. Rishi then says he doesn't remember this conversation at all. Okay, so I feel like this was more than what we had originally saw because we had always kind of maintained that, you know, this photo could have been taken out of context. It didn't necessarily mean that he was hitting on this person. But now we're seeing that these messages were him actively trying to meet up with this person to the point where, you know, if he was just being uh, responsive and that was it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have gone out of his way to ask her, why didn't you call? So what do you think of this whole situation? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think I think we're definitely in some sort of weird gray area. I thought he was OK on dealing with the picture. Like, why did you send this picture? He's like, you mean the picture I took off my Instagram? Yeah. The one that I sent to literally the entire world. That one. Right. That's the one you're saying is not special. now. Like, 
Like, I, I did get that on that. And um, I don't know. It, we, we still don't have any, I don't know, it, it, basing on what we did, maybe I'm giving the guy too much credit. Maybe I'm making up my own stories. But I kind of got the impression that he was, especially when we saw the messages last time, he was talking about getting together with a modeling agent. Mm-hmm. Where he was like, I would, I would kind of be upset if I was like, or, or at least why didn't you call when I was like, oh, I told my agent, oh, I have a client waiting set up for you. They're going to come. We're going to meet up at this time. And then they just ghosted me. And I'm like, what the hell, man? I told my agent we were going to have a person that was going to come in. Right. right? It was something we were missing. Now, I think it's probably not that because he plays dumb about the whole thing. Right. Oh, I don't even remember this conversation. What are you must be talking about? Nothing. That's not, ah. Uh, like, the, and it didn't even go like, oh, her? Like, no, he was still right. like, oh, I don't know what this is. So that that was, that makes it seem like it's not as innocent as all that either. Yeah, definitely. But um, I don't know. I just, I feel like her standards might be too high because he was like, well, he's not ripped, but he's still good. Like, dude, he looks better than the vast, vast majority of people. Like, he wasn't like super cut. He wasn't cut. Right. Which, but I still think like, it's not like he had a gut or was like, like, look at anything like in it incredibly like unattractive about him with That's his shirt off. Interesting your take on it. Cause I was like, no, nah, I don't look like his pictures. That was my first thought. I was like, where's his six pack? I feel lied to. This is not what he looks like in his pictures, all his modeling pictures. Yeah, you know what it is? He wasn't dehydrated. <laughs> okay. Like it's literally literally in modeling pictures, the guys will like not drink anything for like two days so that they're dehydrated and it makes your six pack look like a six pack. Oh. Like it's 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 kind of nuts um the way they do that. Um so I think that that might have been part of it. But I don't know. It was What's up with this massage, too? I didn't understand. Were they massaging their whole body or just their heads? I don't think so. It kind of made it sound like it was only their heads, but then that made then me why confused. do they have to have their shirts off? Right, I exactly. Understand. I was like, why do you have to wear, like, these fancy, like, disposable underwear then? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they were down to towels with the weird disposable underwear in them, but they were only massaging their heads. I, I was I was very confused with the whole process. I like, was also confused, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it's she's I don't know awkward about bringing it up too because I don't yes. like I don't like the way she starts these conversations would be like so. Is there maybe anything you want to tell me and like. That just to me, that's a weird passive aggressive way because my response would be like, clearly, you know, you have something you want to talk to me about. Let's just do I can that. kind of see where she's coming from. Right. Like and she even said this before. Like, I think the space that she's coming from is she wants him to admit it himself because then to her, it she doesn't feel like she's being lied to. Right. It's like, you know, Okay, well, if I give him a chance to come clean and he chooses to come clean, that's better than, you know, me having to confront him with this. So she asked these kind of leading questions to kind of hopefully get him to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about this thing. I sent a message to this person and we were like talking and, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I think she really wants him to be able to talk his way out of this. Right. And he doesn't. It is it is frustrating that he has basically nothing just like right huh what i don't i don't send anything what i don't even know what you're talking about i don't remember that because i don't remember that after such like a, a loaded thing of trying to you know, coordinate meeting with somebody right then it immediately is like well then how many people are you trying to meet with that you don't <laughs> remember this one 
<laughs> yeah. And but then also I think say, oh, you know, this happened over a year ago. You don't remember? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It is it is kind of a specific thing. It's like no matter what it is, if it doesn't you either don't think it's a big deal or it happens so often that that's the yeah. only reason you forget something. If it's out of the ordinary or something you don't do all the time, then you'd remember it. Right, right. All right. Remember things like Debbie and Osama, who give us lots to remember. Oh, gosh. No, I want to block most of it. Things are going so far for Debbie after the funky start to this trip. And she's even more excited today when they'll be going to a poetry reading at an international cafe. So the one thing she notices about the reading is how many young people are around. And he's just like, well, yeah, that's normal. These are all the, the young poetry, arty people. <laughs> so then we start with everyone reading their poetry. And I don't know. It, and everybody, everybody who reads poetry reads it off of their phone. I I find that so tacky, but maybe so that's because I. I'm thinking of wedding vows off the phone. I am thinking of that too, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like at a poetry slam, you should memorize your poetry. Like, I I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, there's some interesting poems going on there. Everybody's, pretty much everybody's poems are in English too. Yeah. Um, and even before Osama goes up to read a poem um, about her, He's she's really into it. But then the MC calls Osama up for his turn and he's going to do that. So he she's over the moon that when he's he introduces the poem is like, here's a poem about my fiance, Debbie. So, you know, he acknowledged her in public, called her his fiance, wasn't ashamed of it. And then he reads his poem that's called I Think of You. And it it is something um, <laughs> there's tense issues. There's things about. Your words are deeply like the Bible. Um, you're breathing inside of my rocks and Messiah of worlds things. It's. Oh, gosh. I mean, it certainly can be classified as a poem. Um, a so, poem as in something that contains words. Yes. It was a string of words that he read in a rhythm. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Not a consistent rhythm, but a rhythm. Um, and I don't know. It, it felt bad because I felt like. Most of the reason the poem was was very cringy, yeah, there were two main reasons. One was it had very basic, very well. We'll get to it. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. We'll have a whole conversation about what what the poem. But anyway, <laughs> that's the poem. So he gets some claps from everyone, and then some really enthusiastic yells from one guy. One guy was really into the poem, and unappreciative Debbie. He was very nervous to read his poetry out loud, and says that it's Debbie's presence that makes him brave to be able to do that. So now he seems to have Debbie convinced that, that this is it. He's in it for real. All right. So we start, I started kind of getting ahead of myself talking about the poem. Well, mm -hmm. What did you think of the poem? I thought it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I think it just, it sounded like a bunch of words that you think sound romantic or, you know, think should be in a poem, just all kind of thrown together in there. Uh, to me, it didn't make much sense. And I think there are a couple things going on here. One, I am not a poetry expert, but if I just even compare his poem compared to the other people that said their poems before him, right. to me, mm -hmm. I'm like, no, nah, that guy sucks compared to these other people, right? Yes, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, and I was getting ahead. It's like, there's two parts to me that made his poem very, very mm -hmm. bad. And one is like you said, the imagery is just extremely basic. We have a sun setting in the sea, mm -hmm. like, uh, like uh, worlds, uh, 
hold my heart. Like you're a beautiful poem. He literally meta <laughs> makes a poem and mentions a poem inside the poem. Oh, Throws the Bible in there for some reason. Yeah. It's just all kind of like, that was a random assortment of things you do together. Right. But I think another part of the reason is because his translation was really bad. Like his English isn't quite there. Like he's like, he said, your words are deeply. Yeah. Like that's not a phrase and that's not the right uh, thing. So so part of it looked, sounded worse than it already was very basic and cringy in terms of the imagery and the, and the meter right. and stuff. But then turns it into something that's like doesn't even make any sense because of the translation errors. Well, I wonder if he actually did just throw this in Google Translate. I could see that. You uh-huh. know, and that's why you get this kind of wonky like translation that doesn't make much sense. But it has the keywords translated, right? right? Well, it, it, it's funny because the first time we met him, he said that he did his poems in English because of like there's a bigger market for the poems in English. Right. Like it's all about the market. He's going for it. And I don't know if it's just young people that do that or if they, they think, oh, we'll be able to sell our poems to America. But huh, you're right. And I think they did it on purpose. I think they really picked out probably some of the highlight poems mm-hmm. that the people read just to then put his up. And his sounded like Dr. Seuss. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, a bad, not even a good Dr. Seuss. Like no. Uh, Dr. Seuss makes sense. But the, I'm saying the rhythm of the poem was like right. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. It was – it was very cringy, too, because it just seems like all this kind of like weird flowery. And I'm not a, much of a cheesy person to begin with. It just seemed like cheese overload because of the translation problems. And then on top of that, it's problematic because of the grammar. Right, right. But I mean, Debbie ate it up. But yeah. Debbie's kind of a cheesy person. Not kind of. She Debbie's is. a very cheesy person. <laughs> she is. Um, and so, yes. And part of that is it. Yeah, that's the cheesy person. But I, get, I just was reading this. It was like, I... I'm not a poet either, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. But if this was my first draft, I'd be like, nope, this whole thing has to go. Like, <laughs> no, right. I could not. I cannot. I'm going to burn this. Nobody can even look at this. This is awful. Like, but that's also part of the reason that I never gave up and did poetry. I never stood up and did poetry in front of anybody because it could. It would never be good enough for me to feel like I could do that. But yeah, this would this would not be my good first draft here. No, definitely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we saw everyone this week. Um, mm-hmm. So out of this group, uh, who was your student of the week? My student of the week was uh, Isabel's dad. Oh, um, yeah. We still don't have a name for him. We don't mm-hmm. know his name. But <laughs> right. um, he, he literally just hit everything you needed to hit in terms of dealing with this news, giving your blessing, like – because the blessing thing bothers us too, right? Sometimes yeah. the dad's right, like, well, I don't know about like, no, you just say yes, dude. You, right. you <laughs> Just go on. Yeah. Uh, I went with Gabriel because he considered what Isabel wanted and got the blessings of these important people in her life. So, yeah. yeah. And he, he really had to lay himself out there bare like, yeah. for the dad too. Like that, that was, that was incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable thing for him to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. What about your dunce? Um, I went with Danielle. I did just because <laughs> she's just demanding. Like he's not great. Like he no. would be a very frustrating person to fight with, yeah. no doubt. But he didn't sit in her lap <laughs> to keep her from driving away, and he doesn't like she. The way she kind of gets defensive about like mm-hmm. you know this thing because she knows it's a weird thing to ask, and yeah. she knows it's a weird situation. But she doesn't say, "Listen, I know it's weird." Here's the reasons you should be reassured. She's just like, you're being childish. I should be able to do this. 
Right. Also, uh, my other friends are worse. <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, the reason why I uh, picked Danielle was because, like, your husband clearly has an issue with this. He said there would be consequences and you're still considering going forward. Like, that is very inconsiderate of you as a partner. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that sucks. You're done. Right. It is. It is. Because you're right. At the end of the day, it's like, well, this person doesn't get to tell me what to do. This person has no say in what I do. Right. And it's like, well, then you probably shouldn't have married them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? All right. Life lesson is um, <laughs> this is at Mahmoud, um, specifically where, the, you know, he had that conversation when he was like, I don't like that people just pick the parts of the religion they like and discard the parts that they hate. Right. And I think for him, it's really it's. It's really easy for him to say that when all the parts of the religion that everybody was hating are parts that don't apply to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and so he's like, well, when you have a religion, when you get all all the good stuff is for me, all the bad stuff is for you. Right. It's unfair for you to reject the bad stuff. You you didn't have to reject. There's nothing you want to reject. Yeah, he can show his legs. We've. Yeah, he can show his legs because what woman would be attracted to legs? That's unimaginable that a woman be turned on by a man's legs, which is something he literally said. Yes, which is also ridiculous (laughs) because I know there's women that think legs or any random body parts, right, are super attractive. Well, I mean, he just didn't, I mean, he was just, he's so stuck up his own ass that he just doesn't even like, he can't even comprehend that women get turned on. Right. Like, he's like, well, yeah, I might get turned on by a woman stretching. He was like, well, women might get turned on by a man stretching. He's like, no, women, women don't get turned on. That's not a thing that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So my uh, life lesson is really geared towards uh, Jamie and Chris. When you're shopping around for things, especially big ticket items, set a budget first Uh, before you go shopping. This is like my biggest pet peeve with people. People say, oh, I just want to look around and see what's out there. And then you find out how much things are and then you set a budget. It's like, no, you should figure out what you can afford first and then do the shopping because it didn't sound like this $20,000 option was something that Chris really felt comfortable with so should have figured that out before that's something that drives me crazy with salespeople, mm-hmm. right um is that same thing like especially when i've dealt with realtors before and i'm like listen my budget is you know four hundred thousand, right? right and then uh, like you know they okay well here's a house which and it's a little better now but everybody has red fans so you know what's up yeah but like when i was shopping before they would go and be like all right that was great this house is great how much is it and like oh it's 475 and i was like did you not hear me when i said my budget was 400 right because i meant that yeah. and like i don't know and then i watch house hunters and they always pick the houses over their budget so it drives yeah, me crazy yeah I, but <laughs> but i also think that americans specifically notoriously have a bad reputation of being bad with money and overextending themselves with credit. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is because it's like, do y'all know how to come up with a budget and stick to a budget? Well, the food truck seemed like so half, like, like at the end of the day, she was like, maybe we should decide what kind of food we're making in our food truck first. And I was like, yeah, probably. You should have figured (laughs) that out to begin with, because then you know how much you have to spend. Right. You know oh what the retail is you know, the thing where we set up. It's just it's just it was so half baked. Right. Right. Very out of order. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we're still chugging along with this group. And so we will be back uh, this time next week with the same couples. Yep. We'll see everybody then. Okay. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye.